This is the Solitude and Single Track podcast, where we talk about our lives as off-grid RV nomads traveling with our dirt bikes, our progression in the sport, all things moto, and other off-grid related topics. I'm Zoe Anderson, your host on this podcast. I live in a 14-foot travel trailer with my husband Taylor and my dog Mia. Currently, we're traveling the Pacific Northwest with our dirt bikes in search of solitude and some of the best single track in the country. This is my pilot episode, so a lot of this is going to be explaining some backstory and explaining why we do the things we do, and a little bit about myself. I can't lie to you, currently we're not off-grid. In fact, we just came back into town yesterday after seven months straight of being off-grid. We've each put around 100 hours on our bikes. Mine is split between my trials bike and my Beta Cross trainer, so they're all due for some pretty major maintenance. Being in town near parts stores and having hookups to clean up is extremely convenient, despite it being a little bit off-brand for us. So, here we are, staying at my mother-in-law's in town. I don't want to bore anybody to death with unrelated topics or useless banter, so that way you know who we are and what we do. We'll start with my dirt bike story, because I feel like that's kind of relevant, and you kind of want to know why and how I got into dirt bikes. Maybe, maybe not, who knows, but let's tell it anyways. My dirt bike story began seven years ago when my boyfriend, now husband Taylor, basically bought a pair of bikes and said, you're going to learn this, and he put me on a KX85. You know, the same way every dirt bike boyfriend thinks they're putting together an instant all-the-time riding buddy like a little Lego set you get at a Toys R Us. Works for some girls, not for others. As much as I'd like to admit that it came naturally to me as a kid that grew up with parents who rode Harleys, rode horses, and only drove manual cars, it did not. And, um, like a lot of girls I know who got thrown into the same situation, some of the first words that came out of my mouth were, how about a quad instead? I'm not a quitter. The quad was not a, uh, a way to quit for me. It was just a way to enjoy it without being so, so frustrated like I was when I first started riding. I'm a huge wimp. Or at least I was. I'm getting better about it, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm definitely still a little bit of a wimp, but anyways... I can't tell you how many times I cried out of just pure frustration because I just could not figure out how to not be scared and ride the damn bike. I was scared of hills, I was scared of pebbles, I was scared of rocks, scared of trees, scared of anything that wasn't just a gravel road, wide open and easy to just cruise on. It was terrible. I fell so many times. Um, I remember just riding gravel roads and Taylor getting frustrated because he's like, we just, I need to take a trail. Like I can't, we, the whole point of like getting dirt bikes is to like go see things. We're not seeing things just riding gravel roads. Like there's so much more to dirt bikes and I just could not because I was so terrified of it. And I was, I was just scared. And, um, like I remember this, this one pretty good downhill grade that we came up to and I put on the clamps and I said to Taylor, I'm not going down this hill. And it wasn't like an extreme grade or anything. I mean, it was, um, I'm, I'm going to say maybe a 10% grade. I mean, it was, it was a good grade, but like nothing, nothing crazy bad. I don't know. I, to this day, don't know why I was so terrified of going downhills. I don't remember if I like had a bad wreck or if I like didn't like the, the feel of locking up my back brake. I, I really can't tell you what, what was so scary at that point in time, but yeah, I was terrified and ended up going down it and it was just fine, but it just took that extra step of stopping and like having this massive mental block saying, you can't do this. Don't do it. A lot of the times when I talk myself into doing something that my brain is like, oh, stop, stop doing that. Don't do it. My anxiety is like through the roof. I just hear my mom's voice saying, Zoe, stop being such a pussy. And uh, I do it anyways. So yeah, self-degradation. That's 
that's my motto. I had a lot of mental roadblocks when I first started writing, but I kept going for some reason. I loved it, even though I fell and got hurt so much. That first year we went riding, we went to Tillamook State Forest almost every weekend, like the entire season. By next season, I was ready for a new bike. So uh, at that point, we both kind of wanted street bikes and didn't really want to get two separate bikes for each of us. So we ended up getting into dual sports. Taylor bought himself a 2017 Husqvarna FE501 and I myself a 2017 CRF250L. Um, one of the reasons that I got the CRF250L was because I am all of five foot three, maybe five foot four in a good day if I'm not slouching like I am right now. And I don't have a really long inseam. As a rider with little confidence, I feel the need to have both my feet flat on the ground, or at least I did. I felt like I needed to have both my feet on the ground. So the Honda being a shorter seat height made it way more comfortable for me to ride. Even stock height, I ended up getting a four inch lowering link and <laughs> I could get both feet flat on the ground. We accompanied that with a very, very thick skid plate to accommodate hitting all of the rocks and all of the roots and all of the things that I would end up hitting with the bottom of the skid plate. Anyways, that was that heavy pig was my ride for years. Um, and it was, it was both confidence inspiring and not very confidence inspiring. Um, I know a lot of girls end up going with the CRF 250L. It seems like, like, it's funny, like I'll, I'll watch these other girls on Instagram or whatever. And they have like the same exact progression. Like they start out at like a 110 or an 85 and then they <laughs> literally go to the Honda CRF 250L and then they go to a beta cross trainer or a beta 300RR. But most of the times it's a cross trainer. And that was exactly what happened to me is I started in the Honda CRF 250L and then I went onto the beta cross trainer. But um, anyways, we'll get there. But the Honda was great. It was slow, but it was freaking dead reliable. And I remember one of the... Uh, one of the worst things that happened, or maybe best things, I can't, I, I don't know, maybe it was the best thing that ever happened to me on the bike, but we were taking this trail that was a switchback, and it was steep uphill, and um, I don't know what happened, I just was going fine, and all of a sudden, then I was looking down this cliff off the right side, you know, because you're doing switchbacks, and one side it's cliff upwards, and the other side is cliff straight vertical downwards, and I was going down, and I went about 20 feet before my bike caught a root or a tree or something, and it stopped. So I climbed up the cliff and, uh, you know, called for Taylor. Taylor came down and it took us almost three hours to get this 300 freaking pound bike 20 feet up back onto the trail. And uh, I ended up riding it out, getting off the trail. And um, I did not take the trail ever again. It took me almost three years to ride that trail again. And in fact, it wasn't until last year that I actually rode it again on my beta. So, but now it's one of my favorite trails. And if you're familiar with Tillamook State Forest, it is the... Um, the section of back-to-back -back that's switchbacks off of Rutherford Road out after you get off of like the Elliott Creek part of back-to-back. -back. Back in 2019, we ended up moving to Texas for a little while for our jobs and we brought our bikes with us, but we didn't really ride. And I rode mostly on the street at that point in time. Went about two years without touching dirt in Texas. Uh, if you don't know much about Texas, Texas is mostly private land and there's not a whole lot of public land to go ride on or, or recreate on um, with OHVs. And we didn't really know anybody and didn't know of any places to ride and, and finding private land seemed for like super daunting because a lot of these places like you have to like have a sponsor who meets you at the place and you have to pay like a fee and like it's just it seemed really really complicated and it, in the end it, it really wasn't that complicated but it just to us it just seemed really overwhelming so we just never went out and rode. I rode on the street for a while. I had a really bad road rage experience on my Honda that kind of turned me off from really riding the street ever. So I ended up selling the Honda because I wasn't riding it at all and figured just take the money and we'll put it towards a different bike. And at that point we were talking about possibly buying a Beta Cross trainer because 
it was the next logical step. It was a very short height, um, short seat height bike that was kind of meant for smaller people. It was lighter, a smaller framed, but still like big bike power, still a 302 stroke. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, I'd never sat on one, never seen one in person, but we were pretty sure that was the way we were going to go. But I was kind of holding out trying to buy a used one because I didn't want to buy new at that point. Taylor went behind my back and for my 25th birthday ended up buying me a brand new beta cross trainer from San Marcos Motorcycles. The very first time I rode it, we went to a place called Hidden Falls and uh, the riding in Texas is a very much different than it is in Oregon. So it wasn't, it, I was not super comfortable with, on the landscape, but uh, this bike, like I felt so, it was so confidence inspiring. Like I could put my foot down. The suspension was spot on for me. Like the seat height was great. The power had so much more power than the Honda did. And it was amazing. And I could do all the things and it was great. And I loved it. And it was just, it's, that's been the first dirt bike for me that I've gotten on. And it just felt a hundred percent perfect. It felt like it was like my bike that I had been riding for a very long time. And it was great. And I still love the bike. I still have it. But after that, I fell in love with riding again and I started riding more. Did some dirt bike events out there, met more people, went to a Megan Griffiths clinic, which is, uh, she's known as Meg's Brop on social media. And if you haven't done a clinic with her, she's an excellent teacher. Going to that clinic, like really, really inspired me to get out and ride more. So I did. So we rode a lot more. And around like the time that we did the uh, Meg's Brop clinic was like this time where Taylor and I had like this whole like come to Jesus moment with life because we were like really, really depressed. Like we had no time to do all the things that we wanted. And like I say, I got more into riding because I was more into riding, but I didn't ride very much and we didn't have the time. We worked a lot, but he was working a lot. And I was helping him at work after I would get off work, try to help him get his work done. And it was just not, not a fun time. So we had this realization that like, we're just not happy with life. Like we live in this beautiful gated community in this nice, nice apartment. We had nice cars, we had nice things, but man, we were so freaking miserable. And we found out about this book called The Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And it was, it was life changing after we read it. I'll go into detail in another episode about that and how we ended up getting into what we got into. But ultimately that book is why we ended up buying an RV, living in an RV, saving up money and eventually quitting our jobs and traveling and riding dirt bikes like we are now. So uh, moral of the story is don't let somebody tell you you can't and don't let your work make your life miserable, which I know that's a lot easier said than done, but trust me on that one. Anyways, one day we decided to go to the Emma Long City Park in Austin, Texas, and that is where I got my ass kicked and bike dropped one million times and it was there that I discovered the beauty of trials bikes. I can, and I watched all these older gentlemen gracefully hopping all these rock ledges after rock ledges, and they had just, they were expending minimal effort as they put these bikes over these big ledges that I just could not for the life of me, like get over. And I'm like laying under my bike with tears in my eyes, like fucking frustrated about to like give up and like throw my bike off a cliff. So um, I ended up buying one. I bought a Beta Evo 200. And I thought, man, this is going to be so much easier for me. I am going to love this. I hated it. I hated that trials bike so much. I hated that trials bike so much. I regretted buying it. I was like, man, I, this is the worst financial decision I have ever made. And I've made a lot of bad financial decisions, but this is one of the worst. This is $8,000 out the damn window. Like, 
never going to see it again. And I, I just bought this bike and it's going to sit and I hate it and I, I can't stand it. So Taylor ended up riding it a lot more than I did. It was, it was practically untouched for an entire year until my cross trainer blew up earlier this year. And if I wanted to ride, I had to ride my trails bike. So that's what I did. I rode it and I took it seriously. And uh, I remember, I remember watching a Rich Larson video where he said, don't buy a trials bike unless you're going to commit to riding trials. And that's not riding trails with your trials bike. It is riding trials on your trials bike. So I uh, watched a bunch of um, trials videos and watched some, some tutorials and learned some drills and started you know, doing it. I started practicing all those proper trial techniques and working on the basics. And uh, I ended up starting that Instagram reel series about my trials progression. And uh, somehow within the last six months, I went from 300 followers to over 4,000 followers on Instagram, all because of my stupid trials bike that I bought two years ago now. Didn't ride for over a year. But yeah, um, if you've made it this far in my podcast, um, congratulations. We're now pretty much at the end. I just wanted to give a little bit of backstory, talk about where, wh- who I am, what we do, and that's pretty much it. That's, uh, that's, that pretty much covers my entire dirt bike story up until today. Yeah, so we have some, some pretty big things planned. If you haven't seen my YouTube series, go ahead and go check out my YouTube series. I haven't been posting very regularly in the last seven months because I have been uh, preoccupied with uh, other duties, which I'll go into in another episode. I'm going to get more consistent on posting on YouTube as well as starting to record podcasts. If you liked this podcast, please actually like physically give it a like and that would help me out a ton because that would help me spread my word and, you know get my name out there and stuff um the next episode i think i'm going to cover um cover the last seven months and talk about my experience being a camp host for the last seven months at an ohv area in oregon if you're at all interested in doing off-grid rv life or at all interested in like being a camp host and volunteering for a state agency or other organization listen for my next podcast i'm going to talk about all the pros and cons of being a camp host and especially the unique situation that i was in where as a camp host for an ohv area which adds a whole new level of complexity to being a camp host at all which is not an easy job guys it's not an easy job it's a fun one but it's not easy anyways thanks guys so much for listening i really appreciate it thank you for being here for my first podcast and i hope that this is successful and i hope to continue to record podcasts and you know share my life and share tips and other things with everybody and i hope that it's helpful to other people anyways have a great day